The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. There is a protest taking place this afternoon against the new hate speech laws that are going to come into effect from this summer. Now, Free Speech Ireland believe the legislation is an attack on the freedom of expression. And joining me to explain is Sarah Hardiman from Free Speech Ireland. Good morning, Sarah. Morning and thank you for having me. So before we get into the details of this specific legislation, what is your overall problem with legislation that curtails people from um, soliciting or fomenting hate? If, if what is being done is damaging, is it not a good thing that we legislate to prevent it? Well, it's a very good question. And it fundamentally goes to the question of when and why should the state be permitted to legislate for anything, but specifically legislate speech? Because there is this concept of free speech, everyone is aware of that. But in the Irish Constitution and in the European Charter of Human Rights, those laws or sorry, the codifications of free speech, they are actually slightly restricted. We don't have an absolute free speech. So we have Article 40.6.1 of the Irish Constitution um, has free speech and it protects it, but it, it also limits it slightly. And it says that in the interest of public good and public, sorry, public order, um, that, you know, there would be a slight restriction. So we see that actually uh, in the 1989 um, Prohibition of Incitement and to Hatred Act. And the beauty of that act is that it really does protect where speech can be truly dangerous and actually cause death, physical harm, genocide of an individual or group of people. So we have a restriction on free speech, very slight one. We have a law in the book that protects people so that we can't have, you know, terrible events of history repeat themselves uh, in any context. Um, But this is a fundamentally different law that actually seeks to repeal the 1989 Act. And what is wrong with this law? The fundamental issue is that they decide to have protected categories. So there's a set of categories that uh, appear to be prioritised in this legislation and it says that if there's hatred against these groups of people or uh, people who fit into these categories or aspects of people fit into these categories um, that you know you fundamentally have a, a effectively a priority over what can and can't be said Okay about so you. let me understand this so if I decide that I want to go out and stand on the um, corner of Stephen's Green and start a movement against Sarah Hardiman on the grounds that she is as I see it a lefty liberal and I can scream and shout about all of that that's okay. If I do it on the grounds that you're a woman, it's hate speech and I can be jailed. Yeah, but potentially. The thing is, the, the legislation is actually so badly defined that particularly the aspects around gender are, are really, really troubling. In fact, they're so troubling that Senator Michael McDowell wrote to Minister Harris this week and he said that, you know, we have the Gender Recognition Act and we have definitions of man and woman within that. But now you have this bill that has just gone through the doll. It's about to go through the Senate and they refer to transgender without actual definitions of what transgender or people who don't fit the male or female gender. So it's not even clear what it's talking about. When but surely supporters of the legislation will say it, there may be flaws in the manner in which it is, is uh, written. Mm-hmm. However, the intent where you would say that people's religion, membership of the travelling community, their colour, their nationality, their uh, racial background, their um, religion, those kind of things, their gender, you should not be allowed to go out in public and try to get people riled up specifically to hate them on those grounds. Is that not a good thing? Well, okay, I, I would look at it and say, where does that become a problem? Someone could could make an ignorant remark about that's a man, that's a woman and that, that's distasteful talk. I don't think anyone believes that that really should be part of what the state should be policing. But uh, Minister Harris himself made a very troubling comment and he said that uh, migrant status, for example, is something that should potentially 
potentially be protected as a category under this. Now, we have, we're facing a housing crisis in this country and that's the last thing the government in this country wants to talk about. If you try to address one of the many aspects that are compounding that issue, clearly, uh, and something like a you know a migration policy that needs to be reviewed, that's, that's a minister telling you that they're prepared to put this into a bill that's restricting your ability to speak on these issues freely. So that's really troubling. We now, don't surely what free. he will say is it is not restricting your ability to engage and the, and the legislation refers to your ability to engage in public discourse. What it is restricting is your active intent to foment hatred. Right, but but the, the issue is you can you can intend to have a feeling and a feeling is a feeling you're entitled to have that feeling that is part of your free expression and your free speech. And and like you say, you can you can decide to be sort of belligerent and, and rude and these are the realities of life. We encounter these situations, everybody does. It is simply not the purview of the state to correct that. So in essence, it isn't that the views that people might be expressing that are covered within this legislation are acceptable or desirable. They are reprehensible and should be the subject of great public opprobrium but they shouldn't be subject to criminal prosecution. Exactly. And that's the crucial difference. As a culture, we can decide what, what is, is acceptable talk and, and not talk in, in terms of, you know, we can condemn people for views and, and say behaviour is disgusting. We, we police ourselves as a society by giving each other that feedback. But you have to fundamentally have free speech in order to do so and tell someone that's terrible uh, belief, that's a terrible piece of conduct, you know. so There's other aspects of the legislation that you may be able to give me an insight into because as I understand it, there is a a provision within the legislation that if you condone, deny or grossly trivialise a set of things, you can be subject to imprisonment. Genocide, war crimes and uh, issues pertaining to the uh, International Military Tribunal, which effectively is Nuremberg and the the findings of of the uh, trials therein. So if I have this right, if I say publicly that ex-genocide, I believe it didn't happen. I can be put in jail for 12 months. Yep, that, that, that's the legislation. That's what we're facing. So talk about the Armenian genocide, talk about the Irish famine, which, you know, many people, be they an academic or a member of the public who's just read on the subject, there are people who legitimately hold it, that this wasn't just a famine. It was much more um, insidious than that. So this this is part of the problem. It's like where and when can we talk and not talk about these things? So, um, But that is what the legislation says. That's if what, that's if what I say says, a genocide yeah. that is recognised by UN or whoever it is that is the recognition body, if I publicly say that that didn't happen, I can be imprisoned. Yes, Yes, I mean it's it's this it's as crazy as it sounds. Like we we cannot stress as an organisation that we we simply exist for the purpose of protecting free speech. That's it. That's that's our interest, and we cannot believe we're actually facing legislation this strict. Helen McEntee previously said this is about uh, bringing Ireland's speech laws to the best international standards. Now I look at internationally at the hate speech legislation of other countries, and I'm deeply concerned what would be considered to be the best international. But standards. again, people will say, well, look at 1935 through 39 in Germany if they had the kind of legislation that we now have that precludes the kind of things that the National Socialists said they mightn't have ended up where the world ended up. Right. But we still know, is it maybe more important that we know the history of that situation and understand and analyse how and why things get to that stage of escalation that we decide that's not the society we want to live in. We need to know the history of that. Hitler's speeches are still available online. Anyone can listen to them. Are we better off knowing the full extent to which everything happened and why it happened or do we suppress it and draw a line under history and, and ignore it? So I, if I understand this right, if, again, if I go to the corner of Stephen's Green and I grab a copy of Mein Kampf and I start to quote from it and say that that much of what he said in this was very wise and I think we should follow it. That's a criminal act now. Well, if, yeah, if, 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 if people say that, that they feel that you were inciting hatred against them, 
because of what you're saying that that's the ri- that's the risk. Now the incitement because there is an element of intent to this that has to be shown so that if if I happen to be in Egypt who doesn't know what he's saying on the side of Stephen's Green I can use that as a defence because I wasn't attempting to incite. Exactly. As I understand it the other the opposite will also be true if I have a room full of pamphlets that incite hatred and they haven't left my house I can be prosecuted for intending at some stage to distribute them. Is that right? Yes. and this Well, you can even just for physically being in possession of them and, and never take any action at all with them. So that's where Section 10 of this bill is extremely troubling because it, it, let's, let's make a more um, realistic and common example. You could have a meme on your personal computer in your home. You haven't, you've made it yourself. You've no intention of sharing it with anyone ever. And if someone says, I find your remarks are, you know, hateful against women, uh, and then you get a knock on your door and in the UK, police are literally knocking on people's doors for comments they've made on Twitter saying that you're, you're, you've been reported for hateful conduct. Our laws are stricter than that. Our laws could end up having a situation where you get the knock on the door and they find a meme that could be just, you know, it could be an off-colour joke, could be something a little bit edgy. Oh, it could be something absolutely horrendously reprehensible. Let's be clear. we're 100%. At the heart of this are probably some of the most awful views that people can hold. Absolutely. But are we are we going to get to the point that people can be go, can go to jail for things like me? But does the law jokes? not require intent? Does the law not require that the, the, the DPP will prove that you intended to attempt to use that meme to foment hatred on a public scale? But that's not even what it's required. It's just that you are in possession of it. There's no public scale. It's actually you as an individual, if they have a reason to to come into contact with your information. So let's say they get a search warrant. Let's. I mean, I, I'm going to quote Senator Sharon Kogan earlier this week. She said that the uh, people are going to be treated like they're drug dealers. That it's that's it, that's no exaggeration for the laws. It, it cannot stress how serious uh, and badly written this law is. It's it's absolutely terrifying. People should be very very concerned. There are two other. Well, I, I, given the level of prosecutions that there have been under previous hate crime legislation, I assume that the people who, who should be concerned are people who hold fairly horrendous views to begin with, and even then, it is a very small cohort of those who actively seek to do damage by spreading those views. See, I would disagree because everyone these days has the ability to comment online, can comment online and people are going to, you know, the, the public discourse is, is more public, involves more people than ever, especially on the internet. And the truth is that, you know, we may have issues around anonymity. Maybe that's a different discussion about should people be talking online behind anonymous accounts? Um, that that's, that's, again, comes back to how do we want to conduct ourselves as a, as a polite society? But that's not the purview of of law. That's not what it should be set up to do. So if people have opinions that people, like you say, even at the most reprehensible end, we have to turn around as a society and say, how how do we deal with this? And it, it, let people let people remain anonymous, let them remain inactive and unable to bring their hate to, to the point that we live in a chaotic, anarchic society. Can I ask you one other bit about the legislation so that I understand it properly? Sure. There is an element within the legislation, as I understand it, that amends a number of other acts, including the Broadcasting Act of all things, but it does also amend uh, significant aspects of, the, of criminal justice bills. Mm-hmm. And in that, as I understand it, what it says is that hatred of specific groups will act as an aggravating um, uh, factor when it comes to your sentencing. So, if going down the street this evening, if we go back to me thinking you're a lefty liberal, if I assault you on the grounds that I think you're, I don't like your uh, political views, Mm -hmm. I get a certain sentence. If it can be shown that I assaulted you because you're a woman, 
I get a higher sentence for the same crime. Is that it's, correct? I, I mean, it's possible. It could. Be, it certainly could be interpreted that way. But it's. Let's look at realistically what this is going to do. This is going to be used to silence uh, political dissent. That is clearly the direction it's going in. Oh, that's a bit much. I, I, I will quote Minister Simon Harris. He said that he thinks instinctively migration status should be part of this bill. Now, why should that aspect or any aspect of a person's human Well, he would say because he's trying to prevent people from being, from having mobs greet them as they arrive seeking refuge. It's a convenient excuse for, for coping with the homeless crisis that we face in this country. Final thing, what degree of control have we got on this? Because my understanding is that this is EU-derived, if not legislation, it's an EU-derived council decision which requires us to transpose it or to some extent mandates us to, to uh, transpose it into Irish legislation. Have we the right to say go away? Well, that's, that's a very good question. Whether we do or not may go to the heart of our relationship with the European Union and the constitutionality of uh, something like a framework directive. But I, I would look much more clearly at the Irish people, the mandate and what they've democratically done with respect to free speech. 65% of this country decided to um, repeal ba- blasphemy laws. The Irish public are in favour of free speech. They're not afraid to be heard. And 75, 73% of people at the public consultation on this bill said that they don't they don't want they want don't want any change Sarah Hardiman thank you very much for that The Anton Savage show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk